Good morning. We're going to be finishing up our series in the book of Ephesians this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. While you're finding your place there, just a couple of reminders. This coming Wednesday will be our last Bible study for the year until we start back up on January the 4th. So we'd love to see you out this Wednesday as we are in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, we'd love to, love to fellowship with you this Wednesday night if you're able to be with us. Then don't forget, next weekend, Saturday, Christmas Eve, candlelight service right here in the auditorium, 7 p.m. on Saturday night. We will not have a service on Christmas Day on the 25th. So I, I realize that's a couple weeks actually away, not next weekend. Some of you were looking at me like, I know, I'm all messed up. This Wednesday is the last Bible study, though. But then, yeah, a couple weeks away. So Christmas Eve service, the 24th on Saturday night. No service on the 25th. We will have services, obviously, on New Year's Day on January the 1st. And what a great way to sort of press the spiritual reset button of our lives than to start out the new year in God's house. To me, folks, if we're going to make our spiritual life a priority, that's the way to get it started is say, God, we're going to be there on January the 1st, and this year's going to look different in some way. Uh, that's a great way to, to do it. Uh, also, next Sunday, the 18th, uh, our kids are going to be up here singing for us, and we always enjoy having our kids, and of course, we're going to be having worship and then I'm going to be teaching next week on the little town of Bethlehem uh, out of Micah chapter 5. And then we'll also do a Christmas message on Christmas Eve. One more announcement that I wanted to share with you, um, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Uh, dear Oasis family, in the spirit of Christmas, there is a family in the Phoenix area that is in need of the Christmas spirit. This past summer, the father, Roberto Barrera, passed out from high blood pressure, hit his head, which caused a brain aneurysm, and as they went in to relieve pressure, it paralyzed him and put him in a coma. The family at that point had to decide to let him go. At the age of 42, he left behind a wife, daughter, and two sons. He was the primary income earner for his family, and if we could help out just a little bit, that would be greatly appreciated and so amazing. The boys are 12 and 16. The 12-year-old is into soccer. The 16-year-old is into basketball. So anything sports-related would be good from Walmart, Walmart or Big Five. The daughter loves girly things, possibly some makeup-related, such as Sephora or Alta. The mother could use some grocery gift cards. I am sure that whatever uh, we could do for them, that they would enjoy and be blessed the mother's name is Vanessa, the daughter is Joanna, the 16-year-old boy is Isaac, and the 12-year-old is Abraham. And if you would like to participate, we will be collecting items next Sunday, December the 18th, right there in the lobby. And if you'd like to help out in any way or have any questions or clarifications, please see Sally Restrepo. Sally, could you stand real quick? That's Sally. If you don't know who Sally is, that's Sally. So if you have any questions about helping out the Barrera family, please talk to Sally about it. Because if you come to me, all I'm going to do is hand you this. 
That's all I'm going to do. All right. Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Finally going to be wrapping up our series in this great book of Ephesians. And as Paul penned this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the believers in Ephesus, the Holy Spirit led him to end this letter on this note. It was what the Holy Spirit wanted to resonate in the minds of these believers in Ephesus as sort of the very last thing they heard or read from the pen of Paul. And so it's significant. And what he's going to talk to us about is way more than sort of what we usually clarify this passage under as, you know, a passage on spiritual warfare. It's so much more than that, and I hope to be able to bring that out this morning. Because throughout the Bible, there is a common theme that runs. Obviously, salvation is a common theme, but another theme that runs throughout the Bible is that God desires and commands his people to be strong. To be strong. The one who wrote the book of Chronicles says the eyes of the Lord run throughout the entire earth. And he wants to strengthen those whose hearts are devoted to him. God wants to strengthen people. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, three times, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Over and over again. Because he wants Joshua to be strong so that Joshua can also then strengthen the people of God to go into the promised land and possess all that God had for them. On Wednesday night, as we were going through 2 Timothy, we saw last Wednesday that Paul tells this young pastor, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Over and over and over again, God is telling us, We need to be strong because the things that we are going to have to deal with demands that we be strong people. See, God will not remove things out of our life. That's not going to help us in any way. God in his wisdom knows it is better for my people to learn what they can get through and what they can go through in my strength. That makes us strong people. And that also helps us to realize that we need to depend and rely on God and that when we do that, there's nothing we can't get through or navigate in this life. Nothing. That's why Paul starts out this passage in verse 10 Ephesians 6 by saying, finally, as I'm getting ready to wrap up my thoughts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's what I want to leave with you. Be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. We just sang some amazing songs about God fighting our battles and and more than adequate and all of that. And it ties right in with what Paul is going to tell the Ephesians. But before we get to that this morning, I want to start with this principle. And that is in this passage on spiritual warfare. Paul says, we must, as God's people, 
acknowledge the reality of spiritual warfare. He says that in verse 12 when he says, our struggle, our conflict, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. I think those are all sort of different designations for the ranking of fallen angels. See, just like there is a ranking of unfallen angels, there is a ranking of fallen angels. And and Paul is reminding the people at Ephesus, we are engaged, whether we realize it or not, in a, a conflict every once in a while with these unseen forces over here of evil who are trying to negatively influence our life and our relationships with one another and our relationships with God. Now, there are many today that deny the spiritual world. But the Bible clearly teaches, oh, there is a spiritual world. And there is good and evil. And there is right and wrong. And there is this conflict that's taking place. And we better be aware of it. We don't need to be afraid of it, but aware of it. Because the Bible does say, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And God doesn't want us to be afraid of this conflict. Why, again, does God allow it? Why does God allow these fallen angels to somehow try to influence us and all of that? Because, again, God understands. My people need to see and learn and know the strength that they have in me and what they can deal with through my strength. Then they'll be truly strong. Not by keeping them from conflict, but by showing them in the midst of conflict and other things that they're dealing with, that that's actually how they're becoming stronger. I've used this illustration before. A tree doesn't get strong without wind. It is that constant blowing of the wind against the tree that causes trees to become stronger. That's why God allows the winds of adversity in our life. Not because he doesn't love us or somehow has it out for us. He's doing it because he understands that when we learn that through adversity and relying on his great strength that we can manage and navigate anything, that's how we become strong. So we need to be aware of this conflict. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but every once in a while, these unseen evil forces, again, will seek to negatively influence us, and we need to be aware of it. And as I shared last week, always look at the context of the Bible. And it's no accident that right after he talks about the church and our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and then the marriage relationship and the husband-wife and parent-child, and then even employee-employer and all the relationships that we have to navigate in life, that then he talks about spiritual warfare. Because one of the things that the devil and his minions will always try to do is to disrupt relationships and to destroy relationships and to divide, you see. That's one of the great ways they influence. But there's another thing here at play. 
When these unseen evil forces are influencing us, part of also what they're trying to do is to get us to live independently of God rather than dependently or relying on God. Because that's, that's how Lucifer, the one who started all of this, that's how it all got started. Lucifer, this great angel that God created, said, I'm pretty special. And he began to get lifted up in pride. And he said, God, I want to do this and I want to do that and I don't need you anymore, nor do I want you. I don't want to have to rely or depend upon you. I want to be my own creation, my own person. We hear that all the time from people. Why? Because that's the devil's influence in all of our lives. See, the devil doesn't want us, just like him, to learn to rely or depend upon God. He wants us to cut ourselves off from God and live independently. And not only of God, but of each other. It's why he, he makes building relationships and maintaining relationships with each other so difficult at times and puts up so much resistance and so many obstacles because he wants us to end up being this island all off to ourselves and have nobody except ourselves, in a sense. To where we don't ever have to learn to navigate relationships and learning to cooperate with each other and to somehow compromise and come to come he, he because that's actually how you and I grow he doesn't want that see so there's many ways that these unseen evil influences can come into our life but we need to be aware of it again as I said last week it doesn't absolve us as human beings of our responsibility. Just because Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood doesn't mean flesh and blood's not responsible. It's not like I can't say no to these evil forces. It's simply saying be aware that these evil forces are out there and they're invisible and you need to be in touch with what's going on in that spiritual world. Because even though you are physically here on earth, spiritually as God's people, we must always be in touch with the spiritual realm. And many Christians, it's like when you start talking about the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare, you can tell some of them are looking at you like, what? What are you talking about? The only world I know is physical. And then that's when I'm like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> because my opinion is either that person that's looking that way like a deer in headlights is either not truly a Christian and has, has really not connected with God in that spiritual world or else they have at some point but they primarily just understand things from a physical world perspective and they have very little connection in that spiritual world. How can that be prevented? Through our ongoing fellowship and communion with worshiping God and getting into his word and getting into a local church and all of those things. That's how we connect because God is spirit. And Jesus even said to the woman at Samaria, he said, if you want to worship the Father, you must learn to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Well, if I'm going to connect to the God who is spirit, then that means I'm always going to be aware of that spiritual realm and that spiritual world. If I'm not connected to God at all, or I'm not connecting to God in that spiritual realm at all, then the only thing I know and am aware of is the physical. And Paul is saying, be aware that though we live physically in this world, that we also are very much alive and should be alive in that spiritual dimension too. And we should always be aware that there is a spiritual world that exists just outside the physical world. And that we are a part of that too through our relationship with God. That's why Paul says, Christian, our struggle is not just against flesh and blood. But in verse 10, or beginning in verse 10 of chapter 6, he does tell us that we must avail ourselves of God's most adequate resources. Yes, we must be aware of the spiritual world, and especially of those in the spiritual world that are seeking our spiritual harm and spiritual detriment. But then he comes right along. In fact, even before he tells us that and says, but God will give you all the provision and resources that you and I need to win this conflict to overcome whatever forces come against us, which is why this is so much bigger than just dealing with unseen fallen angels. This applies to anything in our life. And that you and I as Christians, as we just sung about many songs, we have to come to the realization and the acceptance in our minds and in our hearts that whatever we face, God has more than given us the resources to deal with it. And not just to survive it, but to thrive in it, you see. Because he starts out by talking about God's strength. And notice he says, don't try to live this life in your own strength. Be strengthened in the Lord. There is only a strength, a supernatural power and might that that comes in our relationship and in our fellowship and communion with the Lord, the Almighty, the one that Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 32, 17, oh, Lord God, by your great strength and mighty power, you made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for you. It is that God that God wants us to get in touch with. And he doesn't want us to live in, his, in our strength. He wants us to live in his strength. And then Paul goes on to just keep piling it on and saying, in the strength of his power, in his might, that's always available to us. And this is something that Paul has hammered on throughout the book of Ephesians. In chapter 1, he said, I'm praying that you Ephesians realize the power you have. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Then over in chapter 3, he keeps praying for the Ephesians. That, oh, that, you would, that your mind would be open to the power that you have. The power that God wants to work in you so that there can be glory to God in the church. Over and over again, he says, don't live by your own power. Live by the power that is available to you through God. But God is not automatically going to just force his power onto us any more than he's going to force his armor onto us, which is why he says in verse 11, clothe yourselves with the full armor of God 
Verse 13, take up the full armor of God. God will give us the resources that we need. Now, unlike most messages on this passage, I'm not going to deal at all with the individual pieces of armor. A couple reasons. One is, I don't want you to stress out over it. You say, stress out over it? Yeah. There are Christians out there, they'll study this passage and, and read it and everything, and they'll go, oh my goodness, I got that piece of armor and that piece of armor. And they almost like stress out, like, what if I forget to put that piece on every day? No, that, that's not the intent. The intent is simply to remind us that when you and I live in reliance and dependence on God and we live in his strength, that that armor will be there. I don't need to wake up every day and go, did I put on the belt? Of, did I get my, my shoes of the gospel? Did, no. God doesn't want you to stress over the pieces of armor. He just wanted to share this with all of us so that we would understand that from the top of our head to the very bottom of our feet, that God has us covered. If we will live in his strength and rely and depend on him, he has us covered. And there's nowhere on our being that the enemy can get in if we are covered in the armor of God. All we need to do is simply avail ourselves of God's most adequate resources. We've got to first come to a place where we go, I can't fight these battles, whether they're with unseen fallen angels or with my coworker or with, with whoever it is, or I can't handle this situation on my own, by myself, in my own power and strength. I need you, Lord. And then I need to get to the place where I go, not only do I need you, God, because I can't do this on my own, but I realize that what you are providing for me, what you are supplying for me is more than adequate. That I, I, again, I don't have to live in fear, whether it's unfallen angels, whether it's a giant like Goliath in front of me, whether it's a Red Sea that needs parted in my life, whatever it is, God has the most adequate resources because nothing is too hard or difficult for him. And if we are living in the power of his strength and we are being strengthened in the Lord, then there is nothing that you and I can't get through, manage, navigate, or handle in a good way. That's what God wants us to realize from this passage, you see. It's being strengthened from an outside source. I shared with the folks on Wednesday night, it's like a car. A car needs power in order to keep on moving. So every once in a while, you and I have to pull our car into a gas station and get that gas to gas it up so that it keeps on going. Well, that's the way our spiritual life is. That's why we call our Wednesday night Bible study refuel. Because we have to get to a place in our life where we realize, I can't keep living my life just on my power. I've got to live every day by filling myself up in the fullness of God, as Paul's already talked to us about, and get filled up in his power and then keep running on his power instead of trying to run on my own. Now, again, God won't force his armor on me. He won't force his strength on me. I've got to make the choice to 
put it on, if you will, or to live under his power, to rely and depend on him. If I want to live independently of God, I want to go my own way like Lucifer and do my own thing and not be bothered by God or anybody else, God will let me do it. But God says, you realize that when you live apart from me, you become weaker and weaker and weaker. And then when things come into your life, you can't handle them because they're bigger than you. And pretty soon they get the best of you. And then you can't even handle reality at all. And can I just make a comment here? Do we not see that in our society today and in our world? People can't handle reality anymore, anyway, anymore. You know, they can't. I can't deal with it. That's because we are filled in this world with weak people who have said, I don't need God, I don't need his word, I don't need the church, I don't need the things that God tells me that I need. I can do this on my own. And we are filled, even in our churches, with weakness rather than strength. If God's glory, being seen for who he really is, is to be seen in the church, then his church, his people, we need to be strong. So that when people look at us as a church and us as individual Christians, they see strength, not weakness. That's how you and I reflect the God of strength. Let me give you a real easy test today. You don't want something hard, right? It's Sunday. You want easy. Who's greater, God or Satan? God. Who's more glorious, God or Satan? God. Who's stronger, God or Satan? God. So what Paul's saying here is, then if we're, as God's people, if we as God's people are going to reflect who God really is, then we've got to be strong in the Lord. So that when people look at our lives and look at the life of our church, they don't see weakness. Because that's not a true reflection of God. If they're going to see God in our lives, they need to see God's strength in our lives. That's how God is glorified. That's how God is seen. Which leads to this. We then must accept responsibility for our spiritual readiness and preparedness. We must accept responsibility for our spiritual readiness and preparedness. Because God, again, won't force the armor on us. He won't force his strength into our lives. It's something that you and I have to do, which is why Paul says to the Ephesian believers and to us, verse 11, clothe yourselves. God's not going to clothe you. You've got to clothe yourself. Or, verse 13, Take up. That's up to us. That's our responsibility. That's our choice. Being strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power, verse 10. That's up to us. And then I love this in verse 13. He says, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day. And then don't miss these next three words. And having 
done everything to stand. I want to particularly have you pay attention to the three words, having done everything. Because sometimes we read over this passage and we miss those three very important words that basically tells us that it's up to us to avail ourselves of God's most adequate resources and to make sure that we are strong and that we are ready and prepared, whether it's to fight evil, unfallen angels or whatever it is. Am I doing everything that I can do to be strong? That's the question today. Have I done everything in 2016 that I could do as a follower of Jesus Christ to make sure that I live every day in the strength of the Lord and in the power of his might? God is calling us to be strong. And God is saying to us, you won't be able to navigate life successfully without my strength. Will you be willing then to do everything that you can do? I'll give you my strength. I'll give you the armor of God. It will be supplied and furnished, but I'm not going to put it on for you. I'm not going to force my strength on you. You've got to do your part. I've got to do my part. We've got to cooperate with God. And God wants to see from his people that we believe in him enough and believe in what he said enough that we are willing to do everything that we can do that's our responsibility to put ourselves in a place where we are spiritually strengthened every week and every day. Which is why churches like the Oasis are so vitally important today. Because I believe in a church like this where you and I get it and where we can come and where we mean business with God and where we are encountering God and not seeking to be entertained and where we can grow in our relationship with God so that when we walk out of those doors on Sundays and on Wednesdays and and even every day when we get together with God uh, together as brothers and sisters and even individually, we leave there strengthened in the Lord. Stronger. That's what it's all about. And then Paul says, we must achieve a condition that enables us to make a stand. We must achieve a a condition spiritually that enables us to make a stand. And this is a very important point that Paul's making here in this passage, which is why he uses the word stand so often. Look at it with me. He begins in verse 11. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand. Then look down at verse 13. Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to Stand your ground on the evil day, having done everything to stand. And then verse 14, stand firm. Stand, stand, stand. What's he trying to get us to see? He simply wants us to get to a state of spiritual strength to where we can withstand or resist or hold our ground and make a stand and take a stand against whatever comes our way. Whether it be invisible evil forces that are trying to, you know, turn our spiritual life upside down or whatever it is. 
God wants his people to get to a place where through his strength we can stand. That we don't run, that we don't hide, that we're not intimidated, but that we are able to stand up. And folks, if God is saying you through me can stand up to the very devil himself, then there is nothing else in this universe that we couldn't stand up to. Too many Christians today, through a lack of strength in their life, do not have the ability yet to stand and to withstand and to resist and to say no to and to hold their ground against the forces that are coming against them. They're being run over. In fact, you can see the tire treads on their being because they just got run over. And God is like, be strengthened. You need my strength. Stop trying to live life in your own strength. I am more than adequate for you. I'm the almighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of the universe. Live in my power every day. And then nothing can stand against you. You will stand against everything. That's the abundant life. That's the life of victory that God wants us to live in. I'd like you to turn to a couple verses of Scripture that just came to mind, and then we'll wrap this up this morning. Would you turn to the book of James, please? James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, 7, James says, so submit to God. And that's in the context of humbling ourselves and not being proud because God will give grace to those who humble themselves and say, God, I need you. And then he says, but resist the devil. And guess what? He'll do what? Guess who's running? Not us. Did you get that? Do you hear what the Bible is saying? The Bible is saying the devil or his fallen angels, they really don't want to fight. That's why they will pick out targets, even amongst God's people, that are easy prey. Because they don't want to fight. If they see in us a willingness that we are willing to fight them and not back down and not be intimidated and be able to withstand and resist them at all, they're going to cut and run because they don't want to fight. They want it easy. They want to just have people like just you know just roll over and say, well, whatever, I give up. I throw in the towel. I'm throwing up my hands. That's the people they're looking for. That's the people that they're targeting. The people that are easy prey. So that's why God says, all you got to do is show a little bit of, you know, get up and go spiritually and get yourself in a place where you can do something to strengthen yourself in me to where you can make a stand. And you start doing that and they're going to run because they don't want to fight. And then 1 Peter chapter 5. Same context. 
If you go over to 1 Peter 5, because these were verses I actually used on Wednesday night. In verse 5, again, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Always in that context. And then he goes on to say, And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober, be alert. Don't be afraid, but be sober, be aware. Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Same word that James used in James 4, 7. Strong in your faith. Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. I think it's very interesting, too, that Peter chose to illustrate the devil as a lion because they tell us, those that know much more about that than I do at least, that lions, when they are looking for prey, they look for the weakest people in the pack. They don't look for the strongest opponent to fight. They look for the ones that are sick, the ones that are unhealthy, the ones that are separated from the the pack, whoever it is, and they'll pick them off. Because they don't want a big struggle if they don't. Now, obviously, they have the power. They don't want to use it. They would rather have an easy time of getting their food. And that's why God is saying, if you would just be willing to just put forth a little effort in strengthening yourselves, you would be able to to begin to push back against those forces that are coming against you that are trying to destroy your spiritual life and your strength and your vitality and make it very, very difficult for you to navigate anything in life. Because they want us to get to a place of weakness where life itself becomes unmanageable. And where we basically throw up our hands and say, we, I can't handle it. And then we have to start turning, if we're not going to turn to God, to other coping mechanisms to deal with life, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. I got to find something to cope because I can't handle life as it is. And all the time God is saying to all of us, you be strong in me and you can handle anything. Being strengthened in the Lord. You know, the prophet Isaiah told us this in Isaiah 40, verse 29. He says, God gives strength to those who are tired. And to the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. That's what I want to leave you with this morning. Some of you are just plumb worn out and tired from life. I want you to hear from God today that he is right here, ready and willing to give you his strength to begin to live life with. And some of you are just lacking power right now in your life. God wants you to know he can give you that renewed energy 
from him that is supernatural, that can take us beyond what we could ever do ourselves. Because remember in that passage from Isaiah, Isaiah says, I don't even care if you're young. You're still going to get tired. You're still going to get worn down. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, mounting up like eagles, you see, and taking off rather than letting life drag us down. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your strength and power that is available to us in our lives. And I pray today, God, that each of us would sort of recommit ourselves to not living in our own power and strength, but to live in the strength of your power, your might. Because, Lord, it's infinite. The reservoir of your strength never even begins to diminish at all. You can pour into our lives all the strength that we would ever need if we will just simply do our part in being aware that there are things like unseen fallen angels who want to do us spiritual harm that we would accept the responsibility to do what we need to do to be spiritually prepared and ready at all times. But also to know, God, that the resources that you are willing to give us and supply us and furnish us are more than adequate. Maybe we be strengthened today, God, by you Amen.